0: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. Um, My guest is Stephen Eisenstadt. He's the founder of Pacifica Graduate Institute. He does what's called Dream Tending. He also runs what's called the Academy of Imagination. So we're going to talk about dreams and how you can access the greatest power you have for creativity, connection, and purpose. Uh, That's the name of his book. Uh, It's The Imagination Matrix. Again, how to access the greatest power you have for creativity, connection, and purpose. So, Steve, thank you for coming. Oh, it's great. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, tell me a bit about your background and how you got involved in dreams and dream analysis.
1: Well, that happened a long time ago. It was early on in life. You know, I'd always been fascinated with imagination, you know, in good ways, hard ways. In other words, you know, family life was tough. It was a challenge at times. And I would go into the bedroom, really, and spend time there. It was both a refuge and also a time to really imagine into dream and dream imagery. Then life goes on. I go to UCLA. I'm involved with courses there and all that kind of campus life. And I met somebody who really knew a great deal about dreams. And I shared dreams with this person. And I was uh, really touched by the depth and breadth of what's possible there. And so dreams became an essential part of my life. And when I founded Pacifica Graduate Institute, dreams were at the center place. It's an institute uh, really orienting around The field of depth psychology. So that's Carl Jung and that whole tradition of women and men and elders and people. And dreams have always been integral.
0: What do you do today with dreams? Like, do you use them to help people? Do people use them on themselves or do third parties analyze them? Like, what's the program about?
1: Yeah, so dream tending. So that I purposefully selected that, not dream analysis nor dream interpretation, although that's part of it. To tend a dream is to really listen carefully to what the dream is presenting. Dreams come forward with extraordinary information guidance, right? They also offer a resource to draw upon. Of course, a lot of times people are frightened by their dreams uh, because nightmares are up right at the moment. In fact, in today's world, more people are remembering dreams than ever before. And I think. That's a good thing on one hand, but on the other hand, the reason for that is because there's so many dreams that are bringing imagery that's frightening or scary given what conditions are ecologically. and
0: you know, in- What do you mean? How do, how do you know that people are remembering more and they're having more negative dreams?
1: Well, they're not negative dreams, but they are frightening dreams, for sure that. And we do know because um, there are a number of places that are doing research studies that go and ask and discover. So the International Association for the Study of Dreams just finished a big research project, and they found that a lot of people are remembering dreams, more so now than, than just three, five years ago.
0: Right, but you said the dreams are not negative, but yet they're scary. So is is a positive scariness, or what do you mean? Like, what What are the character of the dreams or the nature of them?
1: Well, this frightening dreams, the four themes that are very frightening, they are really upright at the moment. One is being chased. And of course, that has to do with intruder and that whole thing. Uh, another one is zombie dream. Dreams of some kind of character that looks like zombie and that, of course, makes sense, given the COVID virus and the threat and, the you know, somehow that I'm going to feel attacked by something. Another dream is intruder, somebody breaking into the house. And of course, again, that makes sense. And then there's other dreams that are frightening, tidal wave dreams, house on fire, those kinds of things, things that really evoke fear and reaction. Part of that, though, is not necessarily only us being anxious and agitated in the world. Part of that is something deeper inside, creating a dream a message that wants to be sent and that's one way to get our attention right one way of getting our attention is to present something that is going to really be remembered upon awakening and scary dreams often do that
0: yeah but some of this stuff is not real zombies and things like that some of it does seem to be real
1: so, yeah,
0: you know uh, what about dreams about things that have happened in a person's life a negative conversation they have with somebody maybe that comes up seems like these are just kind of nebulous not rooted in reality Type things. more i guess maybe psychological associations
1: Yeah, psychological associations, you know, amplified to certain imagery, because the images and dreams often speak in riddled rhyme metaphor. On the other hand, people dream very particularly about a fight that they had with a friend or a partner being attacked at work, somebody being hypercritical, an experience early in life that was very traumatic and then just got triggered during the awake hours, usually between the last 24 and 48 hours. Those dreams are gripping and they do wake us up at night. And what it's I think what's happening is it's a remembrance of something that's incredibly painful and traumatic and wanting more attention brought to it.
0: Okay, so what do you do with these dreams? Do you have a protocol or a course where people set themselves up to remember more, or analyze them, or what what does the course work about?
1: Yeah, exactly. So there is a protocol. There is something to do, actually. It's not necessarily analyzing or interpreting. I mean, often it's pretty clear what the dream is referring to in, in this context. What we do is first... Safety and protection. Because the dreams are scary, right? They are. So we have to have something, some way of creating safety, protection. There's lots of ways of doing that. There's often a figure, other figures that have come in dreams that provide a certain amount of support, certain amount of safety. There are people in our life that like a good friend or somebody, a colleague that is really helpful and supportive. We need to have that figure in the room, imaginably or figuratively, you know, one way or the other to create safety and support. Then, what we do is take the scary figure from inside and put it outside of ourselves, right? From inside to outside, which means that if it's going to stay inside, I'm scared to death and that thing is really freaking me out and it's still internal. That's going to keep me agitated for days, usually. To take it from inside and put it outside, either in a sketch or in a piece of writing or in a, you know some kind of anything. This. some people will use clay to sculpt something, anything to get it outside, because then I'm not identified, I'm not the one that's so scary, I am able to place the figure that is frightening outside of myself, then I can have a conversation with it. So, the first one is to get out of the identification it being being possessed by it and then second, into a relationship with the figure that's so frightening or scary. I
0: don't know, what's an what example? I don't understand. What do you mean?
1: Okay. So, let's say last night a dream comes. And the dream comes with somebody that is really um, breaking down the door and trying to get to me, get inside the house. And let's imagine it's the house I'm living in or the apartment that I'm living in. And okay, this is my home place. And that person is intruding. And they're either coming up the stairs and breaking down the door, or they're just trying to barge their way in. I'm scared. I wake up and back in sweat. You know, there's that panicky feeling happening. All right. so what am I going to do with that? Oh, I can interpret it. Well, that Image has to do with something going on in my life that's very invasive, very intrusive, and I get that. Well, that's one thing to do. The hard part about going in that direction is helpful for a bit, but what are you going to do with that intruder, that attacker? It's not going to go away, really. It's still going to come back, maybe the next night or the night or two after, right? Here's what I suggest. That comes, first get the safety, like I said, get some support, get it, and name it. Put it outside of yourself, make a drawing of it, make a sketch of it. Do a little piece of writing around it. Who are you? Who's visiting now? Who is this figure? Now, it's scary. So the way to lessen the fear and the fright is to get really particular. Like, let's say it is an intruder that's kind of monstrous. Well, if I just say that, how many intruders are monstrous? You can go on for hours talking about all that stuff. But if you really see the figure, the actuality of that one that's in the dream, and again, very particular, you sketch it. How is this one different than any other one, right? Really particular about it. Outside of yourself with support and protection, then you can begin to, begin to have a dialogue. Like, hey, you know, this is not okay. It's not okay for you to come in and attack me like this. No, et cetera. So you begin that way. Then the second thing that happens hey, who are you? I mean, who are you really? And the way to get to that is think about Star Wars, right? It's like one of my colleagues and friends with Joseph Campbell, the the hero with a thousand faces. Mary went to visit with George Lucas before George Lucas did the movie Star Wars, actually. And, you know, what he shows in that scene where Luke is going to go after the scary figure, this figure that is really awful, Darth Vader, right? The Death Star, the terrifying one, the one that's really aggressive and assertive. But he can't go there alone. He's got to go there with support. So he's got Yoda, he's got Obi-Wan, he's got support with him. Then he confronts the figure, right then he confronts the figure, and what does he find out? He finds out once he confronts him, sets the limit, no, it's not okay. Then he unveils the figure, in other words, the mask comes off, and he sees who's behind the veil, who's behind that mask, and of course, in the that is his dad, his father, who becomes very important for the rest of his life's journey.
0: before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to twenty seven hundred plus interviews of clinicians the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now, back to the show. Okay. Well, what happens usually with people's dreams? they will be chased. There'll be something bothering them. I would think within 15 minutes of waking up, they would forget about everything. They would. They what, you... what typically happened? Had it yeah, I... here to help people.
1: Yeah, I got you. It's like in 15 minutes. Well, for me, sometimes it's three minutes, right? If I don't write it down, mm, if it's really scary like that, it will come back. In 15 minutes. And if it's really scary like that, it might come again and again. It recurs. These are the kinds of dreams that do recur over and again, right? So what I do and what I think is helpful for myself and the people that I work with is, look, It's you know, you got to get that support. You got to make a statement. You got to create a boundary. You got to get it outside of yourself so you're not possessed by it, constantly threatened by it. When that happens, here's the consequence. If we're threatened by that one, it's always inside. It's always, you know, threatening to hurt us in some way, then we're going to be very frightened about what we see out in the world. Because when we see somebody that is like that a little bit, carries a a bit of that same kind of tendency, then we're going to be really reactive, scary. So we'll put a lot of our life energy into avoiding that at all costs because it's reflecting the very thing that's going on inside, right? All costs. We'll be pulled back and no matter what, when I see that one, I walk into a room and somebody has that personality quality, I'll run the other way, right? Or, The opposite. I get attracted to that and then partner with that person to make it all horrible. So what to do? The thing to do is, as I said, you got to put it, get it from inside out, get it on a piece of paper, make a sketch, make a doodle, write a little bit, rate the boundary, and then figure out, hey, what lives behind this person's mask, right? What else is here? Who's present? Who's visiting now? And who are you? Who are you really? Right. Usually these acting up figures are caught somewhere in adolescence in some form or fashion. So we wanna know who are you? Just like Luke did with taking the veil off, the mask off. We gotta know who lives behind the scary facade, that persona, that mask.
0: Well, who, who is in most people's dreams? Is it someone they know that you know, the dream just interprets it as like some shadowy figure and you know, upon reflection they can figure it's oh, it's Bob at work. That's who it is, or like, you know, how does this tend to resolve?
1: Yeah, that's that's the right question. Often it is somebody that is a familiar, right? It can be somebody like a difficult, a critical parent or an abusive parent. It can be somebody at work that is very abusive, critical, often critical or judgmental. Uh, Somebody that is in awake life threatening in some way, right? They're out to hurt us or to... A lot of these images are People that we feel are better than we are, and so we feel less than, you know, it's those kinds of things. So they're they're there. They're in the dream time. They're also, we see them in awake time as well. The key is, A, if I'm just going to try to get through life and not deal with this, and there's ways of doing that, right? We can distract ourselves away. We can numb ourselves. There's all kinds of ways that are not necessarily healthy or productive, but there are ways to keep that fear or that dread at a distance. The other possibility is just what I said, so I'll say it a third time. From inside out, put it on a piece of paper, sketch, draw, maybe a little piece of clay or something, sculpt, doesn't matter what, and then you have a dialogue with that particular figure that came in the dream. If the dream is coming with that figure in it again and again, time to pay attention. It's like the psyche or the imagination saying, attention, attention, attention. Attention! Do something with this figure. Mm. So, what happens? I mean, do people have to confront person in
0: real life? Does it lead to that, or are they able to resolve it just in their own head? And usually, that that satisfies them.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. The two things happen. Right. If I do confront that person in real life, and sometimes that's important, and I've done the work that I just described, I'm going to be very different in the way that I'm going to confront. I'm not going to feel victimized. I'm not going to feel as afraid. I'm not going to be without resources. I'm going to feel a certain kind of capability. So when I do make that confrontation, I'll come from a much stronger place. So that that's really helpful that way. If I don't confront... The other thing that happens, no, I want to say it this way, is when I do that work with the dreams, with the nightmarish figure, because we're working in imagination, that's the book, The Imagination Matrix, we're working in that matrix of imagination. The thing that happens is when I'm doing that kind of inner work, I'm then not as vulnerable to those kinds of figures finding my vulnerability and attacking me. It is remarkable. How often people will say, you know, Steve, I did the work that we talked about, but now, you know, that critical person at work is not on my case so much, not after me as much, because somehow we build up the inner strength or that we take care of that business that was not finished, that was unfinished, and there's not that vulnerability. So the persecutor that's out there, the tormentor that's out there, doesn't see that vulnerability and tends to stay away. So it works in both directions that way.
0: Oh, interesting. So it doesn't, are people relieved that it uh, sometimes won't involve a direct confrontation with a person that's haunting them?
1: Oh, my goodness. So relieved. And the word haunting is the right word. (laughs) True love. I just was working with somebody the other day, and that's what they were experiencing, the haunting. They kept saying, I woke up, and it's this haunting. And damn, it's again and again and again. And that haunting's here, and it's been here for like, I don't know, as long as I can remember since I've been a kid. And so I did the exact process we talked about. And yeah, that person says, whoa, I'm feeling the haunting leaving now. And my guess is in the world, because this has happened now hundreds of times in my work with people, the same figures that were doing the haunting begin to lessen because, hey, they don't see a victim, somebody that's helpless, somebody that's vulnerable in that area. Usually persecutors will look for victims, right? And when they don't find that victim person, they'll stay away.
0: So what kind of uh, dreams or situations are easy for the person to resolve and which ones are really tricky and pernicious?
1: okay the to really cut to the bottom like the ones that are really difficult really really difficult, and I would back up from the method that I just described are when there's you know severe severe disturbance in a person's life, and I mean all the way to genocide that is somewhere or real significant kind of abuse you no know, i I don't really move in that direction emotionally or psychologically to quote try to integrate the positive aspect of that into my life, however crucial in all the work that I've done with trauma and with people that have really suffered through one sort of, you know, nightmarish experience in their life or another. When it's severe like that, have to get it out from inside because if I just walk through my life and that's always inside of me, I'm going to be forever reactive and just suffer the consequence of those kinds of situations. So get it outside. Don't need to integrate it. Don't need to psychologize. Just get it outside and have the conversation. Hey, I'm here. You're there this is the arrangement, I'm witnessing your presence, but you're not going to come in here anymore. Something along those lines, right? So that's the most severe. The other images that are frightening, I think are very useful, nightmares. Nightmares are really, can be very constructive because the same figure that is haunting, as you said, or nightmarish, that same one like Darth Vader has a lot of possibility when we begin to develop our relationship, set a boundary and so on, they can become very supportive. They can be allies. They don't necessarily need to be nemesis. You know, that's that old saying, right? Sometimes our enemy makes our best ally. <laughs> so it's very really helpful to get into that depth of that conversation. Do you uh,
0: suggest to help people to, set, to try to set up a deliberate dream in which they will take a, an option to beat back the thing that's haunting them? Can you coach people and are they more likely to have the dream that you kind of help them think about it if you do so? Can you do that?
1: There are ways of doing that. I mean, the, what people are familiar with is the thing called lucid dreaming, where you actually bring your consciousness into the dream state and take action. That's part of it. For me, it's working in imagination, right? And that's the subject of the, the imagination matrix, to really develop the companions internally that can be present for you and with you when these motifs come forward. When they do, then what happens is not only me, goes up against those figures, but those same, the dream figures that are supportive, those figures of imagination that are on our side, not on our case, that are supportive, not aggressive or persecutory, those figures, then they can go up against the ones that are so, so difficult and invasive. So it is possible to develop and cultivate relationships with figures so that when those others come, there's a way to interact with them more productively, constructively
0: can you give someone hours that they normally wouldn't have in a dream like you know hey this difficult person at work when you dream tonight you're going to have really super rebuttals that catch them off guard not you and anything they say is is not going to upset you you're going to have this shield around you emotionally where you'll hear what they say but it's not going to emotionally rile you and you're going to be able to you know like that kind of stuff like future pacing maybe nlp kind of things so that in a dream they can take back their power maybe in the dream as well.
1: The answer for me is yes, which is the whole purpose of writing this book. Just to be really direct about it. That's that's the bottom line, right? How do we cultivate those inner resources? So when that stuff comes at night or during the day for that matter, that we have the well, for me it would be imaginal figures or it would be the support that's on the inside that equips us with the capability that when The assault comes. Now we're talking about nightmares. There's also the whole other side of it—not only assault, but when the opportunity comes that we have the capacity to meet that opportunity in a different way, a more productive way. The answer is yes, yes. If we cultivate, as we cultivate relationship with these, with the imagination, let's just make it real simple. When we cultivate relationship with the imagination, then we have resources, images, figures, landscapes that come forward to us, even affect emotion that really is present so when the figures come they then are met by something other than just fear and reactivity well what if someone's on
0: medication and they don't dream or they just don't remember their dreams but they're still disturbed by them or their sleep is screwed up like apnea or whatever it is therefore they don't dream or their REM sleep is disturbed like what what do you do in those cases or can you do anything
1: yeah for sure. The idea is that sometimes if a person's really hurting, that, you know, and, and they are not dreaming, maybe that's for the best. Just leave it be. Or the other s- side of that argument is, hey, you know, a person's really dissociated. And now, you know, you're going to work with dreams. It's going to be contraindicated. It's going to make them more nuts. All that doesn't seem to be the case, actually everybody dreams we dream three to four times a night the question is are we remembering or not remembering medication substance all kinds of things will often disturb dreaming or prevent us from remembering but i think it is helpful to remember dreams and the way to do that is very simple there's three steps number one is just by having the conversation we're having people listening they're getting interested curious about dreams, we open curiosity and dreams are invited in. It's like a good friend, right? When we get curious with the friend, the friend presents itself more fully. Second skill is just simply going to bed at night, following that same idea. Say to yourself three times tonight, I'm going to remember dreams. Tonight, I'm going to remember dreams. Three times in the morning before you reach for the cell phone or the technology or the list of to-dos for the day or the fear that sets in. Just take that moment between sleep, time, yeah, and awake time is called liminal space. And just present with a dream journal next to your bedside, either a tablet or a written journal, a paper and pen. And take the moment. You can even, some people stay in the same posture and they write down whatever it is that's come forward in the night. And then the third, let me just give one more, this one for Abbott right? You work with the skills that I offer, other people offer, and you work with a dream. But let's say nothing's happening and you're just not remembering anything. Go to a dream that you've remembered or an imaginal experience that you've remembered. Uh, That's where the imagination matrix really comes in. You know, we're all part of the deep imagination. So just listen and remember something that came in the night, a dream-like experience or an awake dream, an experience that's dream-like during awake time. And it could be three weeks ago, three months ago, three years ago. And just work with it in the ways that I'm talking about or the ways that you can read about. And it's amazing how that invites dream recall it just so increases recall for people what if you uh, made an app
0: that acted like an alarm and when the alarm goes off the person presses it and then it says you know don't forget to write down your dreams and it kind of coaches you for like 30 seconds or a minute or yeah. you know like those those sounds you could listen to at night when you sleep like ocean or crackling of a fire and maybe periodically a, a soft voice will say like remember your dreams or something like that. You know, like that that might be a cool way to help people write stuff down or remember.
1: Oh, sure. I think so. You know, it, if you have the permission, support it, your partner, if you're in a partnership relationship with one sort of the next. Yeah. Bringing something into the bed itself, right? Because that means awakening. You know, you can wake up and you're going to write and there'll be activity in the bed. So you got to have an arrangement. But I think it's really helpful to do something like that. Yeah. And we don't even need an app, although that's possible. But if I know that I'm in bed and actually now I don't have it on the bedside, but I bring whatever device I'm going to record in right there, right next to my pillow. I'm ready. And there's going to be, I'll be very open to the wake up call when it comes, you know, and then I'm present and available to write things down or to record things. And some people just actually do that. They'll record their dream. They just, eyes stay shut. They push the little record and then it'll just tell the dream. So I think it's very helpful that way. It's a really good way to remember dreams.
0: Okay. What else in your book? Like what are some of the other major themes that are covered?
1: Well, yeah. So this is journeying. This book, you know, I worked for decades with dream and dream work, and this book takes it another step further. Right? So we're taking a journey into the world of deep imagination, into the dream time. And how do you take the journey? How do you journey through the imagination matrix? That's the topic of the book. And um, I mean, a lot of people do it with plant medicines or with A, B, and C, right? This is a way of coming, bringing yourself to the imagination, finding your what I call soul companions, the figures that will accompany you there. And everybody has their different name. There's no attachment to a particular name. But you learn the ways of finding the portal, the opening, the way in to the imagination. And then you follow through into the imagination, you journey and you discover what's possible for you there. So the big news is it's not with the rational mind, right? We let go of the busy mind, the rational mind, and we develop curiosity. So I offer a lot of skills and tools of opening curiosity, activating curiosity. What are the ways of taking the journey into the imagination? What are the ways then inside of the imagination, the deep imagination, autonomous imagination, the matrix of imagination? Then how do you gather resources? Resources that are going to be very practical. And the thing for me is that, you know, I work with dream and imagination, but as you described, I founded an educational institution. I do a lot of consulting for corporations, so-and-so. It's, hey, I care about people and does this work and improve the quality of a person's life physically, right? Emotionally, psychologically, that's that's really what's important to me. And by traveling in imagination, there are resources that, that will inform that. And uh, there's two more things. You develop a kind of intelligence. And um, we all know about IQ. That's intellectual intelligence. And a lot of us have now gotten familiar with emotional intelligence, this is imaginal intelligence. We allow imagination to come forward, to deepen and to even increase. And that is what happens when we do that. We go into the world with a different lens, a different way of being present, and then we pick up the sparks, the cues, the particular hints that give insight into our innate genius. And that's, for me, what's the most important, our authentic sense of calling. Not the script. Not what social media describes us as to how we should be, but that authentic, inside-out place that really makes a difference, you know, that really touches who I am and how I want to be. It's not rooted in parental supervision and so on.
0: What's the best way for people to start learning about, you know, your protocols and the institute? You know, should they read the book first and, you know, where can they get it and where are other resources for people to learn about, learn more?
1: Yeah. So first is dreamtending.com. So everything I've just shared, including the ways of remembering dreams, the common dream themes, how to work with nightmares, all that will be on dreamtending.com available. The new book, The Imagination Matrix, is just coming out a number of weeks. And in that book, I not only name everything I've just talked about, but very particularized exercises, stories that elaborate everything that I've talked about, case studies. So, if you read that, it's really meant to give guidance and offer a really a tool set, a toolkit that gives you what you need to to move forward and explore this area, this range of possibility.
0: Okay. And the book again, if you could just repeat the uh, title and ask, you know, let people know where they can get it.
1: Yeah. So, the Imagination Matrix. It's right now on all the carriers. So, it's on Amazon. It's available for pre-order through October 24th. After that, you can order it. And it is something. It's a really good... The people that have worked with it have really reported it being very useful in terms of a tool set, skills, an idea, a path forward.
0: Excellent. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's an unusual world of dreams I don't know much about, but it's been really revealing. It makes sense why you do what you do. So thank
1: you. Hey, you're very welcome. Thanks for hosting me. Pleasure to be here.